everyone. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Bow Rush Podcast. I'm Scott Nelson. I got Travis Stowe. How you doing, Travis? Man, I am doing great, uh, but uh, it's all because of what we're going to be talking about today. Definitely, and and just so we can kind of fill the fill the the listeners in on what we're doing here. We're doing a two part podcast, a two part series actually. Uh, this is obviously the first part. Second part will be next week. We we've got them ready to go. They're going to come back to back. Uh, I think you guys will really enjoy it. Uh, we've got two really really good guests um, next week. That, next week is going to be Anthony Dixon, uh, a guy that we've had on multiple times, and uh, this podcast, which is. The Bow Rush Podcast episode 015 is a really good buddy of mine. Um, you know, I, I had the pleasure of meeting him and getting to hunt with him over Thanksgiving, actually. Uh, it's a guy named Davey Crockett Ferraro. Uh, he has a great company called Hunt Strong, and he's got a great background in nutrition and fitness um, based towards, you know, hunters. But he does everything else in the fitness industry as well. Uh, I'm stoked to have him on. He's got a lot of knowledge. Uh, if you can, Travis, tell him a little bit about what we're going to talk about with Davey. Well, you know, right now, in some areas, people are hunting. But for a lot of us folks, we are our off-season period. And the idea of being off-season doesn't mean you put your bow away, you sit back, and you just relax until the next falling season. You need to stay active. And there's ways to do that. And so what is really neat about who we're bringing on is just that he has great advice explaining how you can stay active and still keep in shape and make sure that when the next season comes around, you're ready and you're prepared. You know, it's going to be a great podcast. And Davey, how are you doing today, bud? Can you hear me? Yeah, very clear there to you. Good. Well, you know, for, first off, if you could kind of give us, um, tell, tell us who you are, kind of kind of what you do, your background, and, you know, where you get really your knowledge base from uh, for, for the company that you run. My name is, I go by, it's a nickname actually, Davey Crockett, uh, kind of crazy how all that came about, playing ball growing up, and we all had nicknames, and uh, Crockett just kind of stuck, and then next thing you know, here I am in the hunting industry, and uh, everybody called me Crockett, so I was like, you know what, I might as well go back to that, uh, it's catchy. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every time I, I hear it, I have that uh, the little slogan in the back of my mind when you hear on the radio or <laughs> TVs. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually wearing a coonskin hat right now. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Gonna get in my element. There you go. <laughs> well, you know, tell us a little bit about your company and and kind of how that came about. It's a uh, man. It's been a it's been an awesome journey. Um, you know, starting out, I was in a big development company, uh, selling a lot of homes, and I knew it was not my true passion. My true passion was uh, was fitness. And of course, I grew up uh, hunting. And this is back in 2008. I had left that development or doing development, went into actually getting into uh, training. And then, I mean, it was it was just crazy the results I was getting with clients, not to mention myself. So I knew I was onto something. From there, I was like, I really want to get in the outdoor industry. So I really just started from ground zero. I started a blog and just started writing. And I, I wrote about my successes, my failures, um, wrote about my clients. I wrote about all kinds of different things of how being in shape for the actual hunt increases the opportunities to be successful. We're not always successful, but you know, it, it helps out tremendously. So as, as far as body control or spot and stock, anything. So it was really, 
that's kind of how, how I got into it and started training um, for that. And then I got a phone call from, uh, I knew eventually I was going to get a lot of traffic coming through. I got a phone call from a TV show, Back Was Life. And uh, I helped Michael, which was one of the lead hosts, and Kevin. Um, and it was crazy how that, I mean, I, Kevin called me one day, talked to him, set up an appointment to go see him and get him all squared away. And in the meantime, Michael had called me. Um, and they didn't even know it until like two days later that they both had contacted me and it was just, it was really random. So I knew it was, uh, I knew it was all God right there, but Kevin, I spent a month with, and he lost you know, over 20 pounds. Michael, probably over a three month period, I lost 45 pounds, is no longer diabetic, no longer, uh, high cholesterol, high blood pressure. So that just, you know, kept escalating and kept going and getting better. And then they asked me to come on and be a part of their TV show. So here I am five years into it, five or six years into it. And we're going on our 10th year of filming. I want to say I'm four. Yeah, I think five years of filming and where Hunt Strong is now. I mean, I, now I don't, I realized that I was focusing in on the hunters, uh, really getting in them shape. But really my true passion is just helping everyone. So trying to appeal to, you know, kids, athletes, uh, people just, you know, moms that are just trying to lose you know 30 40 pounds or anybody trying to accomplish any type of goal i've got military uh worked with uh, olympic divers miss florida 2010 um professional athletes from nfl athletes to pitchers in the major league so so basically you're saying on. for pretty much a decade now you've evolved from a niche to hitting almost any demographic that's wanting to either lose weight or get in shape that's pretty uh that's a an interesting spread mm-hmm but it's crazy how I got about that was from my hunter mentality, because I think as as hunters we really question the whys, and well, when we do that, it it typically leads us to the source, which is where the animals are. You know, where's the bedding area? Where is, you know, where are they coming from? What are they eating on? You know, this time of year. So you're constantly questioning that whys. You're constantly on the hunt for something, but because you keep questioning, you keep learning. You know, where the lay of the land or learning that particular animals habits you're actually closing in on the deal so you add all this up and that's what leads to that final shot through the vitals so that's kind of like where i've where i've gone with it uh to the point that i've even started hunt strong as a ministry uh getting into what the bible says about your body and that our body is the vessel that carries out god's plan in your life so i think that's the true ultimate calling but it just took me steps along the way to get there very cool podcast following up to this we're going to talk to anthony dixon a good buddy about you know really how to control your body, uh, the body fatigue, the mental fatigue, you know when it comes down to that shot opportunity. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of things that you know hunters can do prepping for the hunt, you know leading up to it to get in shape and and give themselves a better opportunity to get themselves in a position to take a shot. You see a lot of guys that start prepping a month before the hunt. They you know they throw they throw their pack on put put whatever they can in it to, to make it heavy, get it up to 25, 30, 40, 50 pounds, and then again, they go walk around the neighborhood. Um, right. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, that's that's a very consistent thing. You, you always see see people talking about that. You know, they're on the treadmill with their pack. You know, they're wearing their boots. They're wearing their camo. They're getting ready for the hunt next month. You know, mm-hmm. they're, set, they're setting themselves up for failure just from from my experience. You know, I, I did the same thing. I, I, I understand it, you know. With the people that you train, um, some of the athletes or some of the guys who are just starting to get out to hunting, what's the benefit they have? What are they What are they seeing in 
turnaround for in doing stuff for six months to a year. I mean, it's you know, I think any uh, any good habit it takes twenty one you know thirty days to actually get in the habit of doing so. But it's um, my biggest thing is you know when I train my clients, I want them you know three months, six months, eight months, you know, a year down the road to have just this so much knowledge that they know what to do and when to do it. And they base that on whatever their goal is in that particular time in their life. That, you know, inconsistency. And people can say, people come to me all the time, well, oh, you know, well, you know, how long have you, have you been lifting? Well, it's like, well, I've been <laughs> lifting my whole entire life since I was in high school. But, you know, it was, it's been a constant struggle, constant growth. But it's, you know, it's baby steps. And the more you stick to it, the more you stick to the regimens, the more you truly understand your body and what to do based on how your body feels at that particular moment, then... I mean, you've got it. But a month out, I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, depending on the upon the hunt, you know, for some whitetails, you might get away with it. But mm-hmm. you start getting in some high altitude, you're going after elk. I mean, this, you know, to train for these types of hunts, it takes time because our goal and it, the, what I would want for the clients is, for one, you want to be as mobile as possible and as quiet as possible. So what you're going to be talking about with Anthony you know, as far as body control, it's so key. But for these these guys and females, um, definitely growing in our industry. But that is uh, it's trying to lean down as much as possible, but be as strong as possible, and at the same time being as as a uh, cardio risk or yeah, cardio fit has got to be on top of that uh that chart as well. So that way you can you can go and you can fight these elements that you're going to be fighting on. You're going to fight the high altitude and try to mimic those uh those situations. So if, in other words, if I'm training a client that's going to go, you know, on an elk hunt and they're going to hunt from 9,000 to 14,000 elevation, um, there's a great tools out there. You can do a high elevation training mask, get in the stairwell, get a backpack on or get a weighted vest on, put your hands behind your back and climb the tallest building in your, you know, in your, in your city. So in which our case that we have a Bank of America building that we have to get access to is it's a uh, 42 floors and just go up and down, up and down because mentally, you know, your mind is, your, your body is wanting to quit, but your mind is pushing on. And that's the, it's the same exact thing that you're going to happen on a hunt. You know, it's mm-hmm. your body's going to want to quit, but your mind's got to be able to push through it and how you conquer that for one is how you're eating, how you're fueling your body at that particular time. But in two, is just having that, you know, putting the blinders on and having that focus. Like, you know, for instance, when I see an animal and the animal's in range, I look at one spot and it's that vital area. I don't look at anything else because I don't want my mind to be distracted by anything else that's going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, consistency, it's it's the key. So if I took somebody and trained them for a year versus three months, you know, it's, it's completely different. You know, you're going to get great results. That's if you're doing the right formula. But you know, they're going to be extremely different. You have to, uh, I want to ask you a quick question about that bank option. Just it, it kind of, I was picturing what you're saying going up and down the bank, um, mm-hmm. the tower 40 stories. So you're wearing a backpack, wearing a mask. How <laughs> in the world do you get up and down those stairs wearing a mask and a backpack, <laughs> which looks like you're loaded with something and not get people questioning you? <laughs> oh gosh, I do. Um, okay. It was crazy. There was, you know, they had this race down here um, and the fight for air, they call it fight for air climbs and it's put on by the American Lung Association. So there's certain times of the year you can actually go into that building and actually train for it. Um, okay. And I had access, there's a gym downstairs. I had access to that gym at one time. So I would go on one stairwell, which was not video monitored. But yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, you have somebody like in the office and they're coming down the stairs and like, dude, there's a guy down there with a gas mask on. <laughs> so these would be something you'd have to prep beforehand and talk to them and say, hey, this is what I want to do. Not just show up. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, okay. absolutely. But even if you went, you know, somewhere and, you know, if you had access to a stadium or, you know, something of that sort that mimics climbing a mountain or climbing hills and actually, you know, going up and coming down, because we know we're not just going to climb up, got to climb down mm-hmm. as well. So, I mean, it's just and then the biggest thing is not using any of those handrails or anything because you don't have any of that when you're out there hunting. Here's an interesting question that and Scott and I, I'm pretty sure you've heard this many times because Scott and I, we, we're into fitness. And when we talk about fitness, I'm, again, I think you probably hear this more than we do. But when we talk about going to the gym and spending our time and getting out there, one of the common things I get in people that are maybe not so fit or they want to become fit is they're like, well, I don't have time going to the gym or even exercising. You know, how do you get past that? Like, what would be the first step for somebody? They know mm-hmm. they need to, but they're automatically already throwing that uh, brick wall saying, I just don't have the time. Yeah, that, and that's a, yeah, that's one thing we always want. We want that, but we don't want to put in the effort to actually to get in shape to go do it. Um and I see that all the time, individuals, and I read a quote yesterday that just made me think, like, why is it that people that don't have time to exercise always make time to eat, and it's like, or go out to eat, and it's, you know, it's the same concept, it's like, if it's, if it's, gonna, if it's really important to you, guess what, you're going to do it. If it's not important to you, then you're, you're going to make excuses, and there's really, in my mind, there's no way around it, you know, if you want it, and I could tell within the first, you know, 10, 15 seconds of talking to an individual, right, this person is going to do exactly what I tell them to do. Or, you know, maybe this is not the time for you. Maybe you don't need to book the hunt because you're going to waste not only your time, but you're going to waste the guide's time. Or, you know, it's because I, I can promise you one thing. Those animals out there are much tougher than you are, no matter how hard you train or what animal you're chasing after. They know mm-hmm. the terrain. They're used to it. They're in it every single day. So it's really a survival of the fittest, you versus the actual animal itself. So there are people that will, you're training, and that means they're committed to you. But let's say, you know, someone that's listening to this and they're like, you know, mm-hmm. he's got a good point. And I feel like I could do that. I could get a backpack. I can order a mask, which is a great option. I never even thought about that. Um, mm-hmm. I can start going up and down the steps. What would be some of the ways that they could um, be committed? Like how do they commit to themselves when there's no one there making them be committed? You know, I would just I would write out, you know, goals and almost make an appointment with yourself. That means you got to get up 45 minutes to an hour early. Um, you know, train when it, the sun isn't up yet. Um, you just you've got to get it in. And that's that's probably the biggest thing I tell people, even when I have clients or you know, just you got to get up whether you feel like it or not. And you got to go. And if not, you know, it's, it's typically it's not going to happen. It really isn't. The results aren't going to come. Or the results that you want are not going to come. But, yeah, just making time for it, you know, backpack. And even, you know, do a weighted backpack, you know, keep it functional. A lot of my training with everyone, including myself, is functional. So it's, you know, lunges, squats, you know, holding the position into the down position when you're squatting, you know, getting your body to really just varying the exercise and trying to get your body to adapt to it. That's all exercise is. Exercise is, you know, getting the heart rate up, but it's your, it's stress to the body, but your body's trying to adapt to it. And when it's doing that, you're sore, you're eating right, and you're, helping supplement uh that muscle mass gain and it's just that constant cycle over and over and over again so um you know push-ups sit-ups I mean, there's so many different things you can do we could do a whole workout you know at your house and never touch the first weight and really and you know have you dragging and sucking air like crazy <laughs> so i mean you can you can factor in bands you can factor in tires you can factor in so uh, you can put a harness on a i have a golf cart and i put a harness on the golf cart make my clients pull my golf cart you know, just nice. so many different things you can do. Um, TRX bands, you know, you can do uh, all weighted control stuff. And you can do a whole full body workout with just a TRX band. Mm-hmm. So there's just, the biggest thing that I would challenge people to do is just 
for one, challenge themselves, and two, really mix it up. You know, don't don't do the same workout over and over again. Guess what? Your body's going to adapt to it. You're going to hit a plateau. And you're not going to get any results. But just really confuse the muscles and push yourself. Well, so talking about guys that you know have gone out hunting, and and I'm sure you you hear stories from all kinds of guys that you know have come to you and and want to go hunting, or um, maybe they sign up and they they bail out and they do their hunt anyways without training with you, or even just guys in the hunting industry themselves that you've talked to about their hunts. I mean, what are the what are the top two points of failure that that you really see in people, and what can they do in the off season to focus on you know fixing those two top points of failure? I think uh, the the biggest thing is uh, it's is being able to shoot or perform um, under pressure and exhaustion. Um, mm. And I think a lot of people don't really prepare for that. So you know, one thing how you can overcome that is factor in your shooting during your workout. So especially if you're at home, you know, do do it lunges, do squats, grab your bow if you're bow hunting, um, and shoot. You know, and and do it from different angles. Shoot it from sitting down. Shoot from your knees. You know, shoot on one foot. Shoot on top of a, uh, a uneven or a balance ball of that of that sort. You know, really mix it up. That's probably the biggest thing they can. Sometimes if they're you know if they don't really have like a true understanding of the nutrition or the training side of it, but they can get to the animal. The shot is the most, I mean, that right there is a nail in the coffin. And if they can't make that happen because they're too out of breath, they can't draw back their bow because they're too tired or they can't focus on what they need to focus on. Um, that's where, that's one thing that I see biggest as a struggle for most people. And that just takes, you know, time, uh, and practice and Mm -hmm. practices. I mean, I can't stress, you know, and, and, and practice like it is the game, like it is the real thing. Like, all right, I've got this one arrow that I've got to be able to shoot. And, you know, I've got a 55-yard shot at an elk, and he's quartering away. You know, like, visualize this out. You know, get yourself under that uh, high-intensity training, draw back the bow, and let off. So I think that uh, that's probably the, one of the biggest that I see. Um, and then second is, honestly, it's, it's, it's lack of nutrition and lack of understanding what to eat. Mm-hmm. That a lot of people train hard, but their nutrition is so far off that, you know, they're only getting half the results. And especially on the hunt which I can't stress enough how important nutrition is while you're on the hunt, especially the more demanding hunts. Like if you see an animal, you're like, I got to go kill that animal. And he's two mountain, you know, reach, you know, peaks over. He's, you know, 800 yards. You got to crawl in to get in sight. There's things that you need to be doing nutritionally that are going to help aid the muscles to get you there much faster. And I think that is uh, that element of, of that's that's usually missing um, in their type of preparation for the actual hunt itself. You know, there's a lot of controversial thoughts about water usage, and mm-hmm. I'm everybody's an advocate. At least I know if people are in fitness, they're like water, water, water. You got to do a gallon and a half or two gallons a day. I mean, you need to suck that water in because it's going to help your muscles and keep from muscle fatigue. But mm-hmm. obviously, there's going to be this whole element of especially off season when you drink a lot of water, you're going to be peeing a lot. That's going to create a, a distraction, and you know who knows a whole lot of other things. Things. But during off season, and your, I mean, what's really a, in your personal opinion, like a, a water acceptable amount while working out before, during, and after that makes it more efficient? Well, the water, for one, water is anabolic, so I mean, it, it helps with muscle growth. Also helps uh, for the muscle to actually perform and do its duty within your body. And water is water is what carries the nutrients to your body to be able to utilize for energy output, um, especially your proteins. You have water-soluble vitamins, which uh, if you don't have water, those vitamins are not even 
even being distributed throughout the body, period. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I know for a lack of, if you're high, if you're dehydrated, um, you're not thinking clearly, uh, you have a higher tendency to uh, strain a muscle or even pull a muscle. So water depends primarily on what you are doing at that particular time. So down here in Florida, you know, our temperatures are rising like crazy. Um, I've been turkey hunting for the past two or three weeks and that temperature is just, it's nonstop. So I always prepare myself. I've always got, you know, six or seven bottles of water um, in the golf cart or on my bike or in my backpack. So I'm constantly just chugging water. You know, in the, in the wintertime, I don't drink as much. Um, I would probably say at least a gallon a day. But when it's hot out and I'm, you know, I'm biking or I'm outside or I'm very active, I'm trying to drink. I'll probably drink two, probably two gallons a day, two gallons of water. As far as urinating, I'd rather be prepared and stay hydrated and have to stop to pee. Because nine times I tell when you're chasing an animal, you're pretty much, you're downwind from that animal, especially if you spot it. So as far as the smell wise, um, I don't think it plays that big of a role. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely stay hydrated. Uh, keep those muscles hydrated, and it's actually it'll help you get the job done. Whether you're just going out to, you know, ride ride a bike for an hour or uh, lift weights. I mean, water water is key. I just one so, sorry, Sky. Just one more thought. I actually thought when you said the the water and that you if you're downwind they wouldn't necessarily smell because um, the area that you're in, but. It kind of made me think, what about the, the purification of the water? Because, you know, if you're constantly drinking and you are going to the bathroom a lot, you know, the smell is not because of the amount of p- or water coming through your system. You're already dispensing all that out earlier, and that's getting right. all the, uh, the toxins and stuff out of your body. So that's when it becomes yellow to clear. When it's clear, mm-hmm. I don't think there's really as much as a smell. I, would, I agree with you totally. Okay. Um, also, especially if your diet. I mean, if you're eating you know, wholesome ingredients, which is what I push. I push one ingredient foods. So, you know, like a chicken breast is chicken breast, a sweet potato is sweet potato. Guess what? That's natural to what they would recognize as, you know, if they're eating nuts, um, one ingredient foods, and you're doing the same thing, you're hydrating. I mean, there may not be that much of a difference of smell than your actual urine. So they may not even pick up on it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I'll be the first one to admit I've actually, <laughs> I've actually been in a tree stand you had to go, and you're like, oh, I got to go. <laughs> and you go, and you look up, and there's deer coming. You're like, crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I don't know if it was what I ate or, you know, it just didn't bother them. Oh, that's funny. Well, so with Hunt Strong, you know, mm-hmm. you really – you do everything from just helping the, the stay-at-home mom try and get in shape to helping a newbie learn – you know, kind of how to hunt, how to prep for it, and walking mm-hmm. them through all the way to the actual, all the way through the actual hunt itself. Um, you know, one thing where I, I think I, I think I've seen and, and heard about a lot of people struggling is, you know, once you're actually in the hunt, especially these, you know, you know, three, five, nine, eleven day hunts that go on, um, mm-hmm. the the food intake while you're actually hunting. How does that affect the hunter, and what do you suggest? How do you prep your clients to be successful, you know, by eating correctly on these hunts? I mean, it's a, you know, that eating is actually, I mean, that's the fuel that helps you know, get the get the, the job or the chore done. So you can have this body that's extremely fit go on this hunt and not have the right fuel, and you're, you're going to struggle to actually get the job done, but... Um, the biggest thing for hunting, especially in these, these uh, spot and stalk hunts, 
of very demanding, like physically demanding hunts. Um, lots of complex carbohydrates, you know, sweet potatoes, jasmine rice, brown rice, uh, pastas, uh, oatmeal, things like that. And I would even keep uh, like granola, like real, like wholesome granola in my pack just in case I know because that when you're actually when you're when your muscles are burning that lactic acid is being put up with your body lactic acid is fueled from complex carbohydrates and complex carbohydrates are responsible for five percent of your energy output most people think that carbs is carbs is your main source of energy actually fat is 95 percent of your main source of energy which is coming from our daily activities of just you know me sitting on the couch right here talking to you guys I'm utilizing fat but complex carbohydrate fuels the body during that intense, extreme exercise. So having, you know, stuff like that on hand, and there's even supplements out there that are carb-based that are extremely beneficial because you can mix it up in a drink, take it, and it's fueled right to the muscles and go. And, um, you know, a lot of it is, you know, training and getting your body more efficient to do that before you actually go out there and actually go on the hunt. So, and that's, that's the cool thing about, because we, the hunt and hunt strong stands for helping understand nutrition and training. But I also like to have people feel like what it feels like to hit that wall. Like, cause every athlete has, 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 has done that. They hit that wall and they're like, my mind is telling me to go. My body is completely quitting on me. And nine times out of 10, it's because it's a, it's a lack of, it is a lack of nutrition. And that's the, that's the, my biggest failure as an athlete to ever, ever experience. I never, ever want to hit that wall. And it's, you know, it can be overcome by what you're eating while on the hunt. Um, also taking protein. I like to make my own venison jerky or my own jerky or just taking, I don't really like store-bought jerky. It's got a lot of preservatives in it, way too much salt, which is actually going to dehydrate, dehydrate mm-hmm. much faster. Um, but if you can take stuff like that, you can take for room temperature. Um, nuts, uh, you know, raw almonds, raw uh, walnuts, raw pumpkin seeds. Things that that are, are light, but you can actually throw in there, you know, have a little bit of a munch and go. So yeah, definitely complex carbs, um, good fats, and protein to help, you know, with the muscles and the because you're breaking down muscles when you're on those hunts, especially those very demanding hunts, and you need to refuel those muscles. Amino acids is actually what's helping rebuild those muscles. Well, so it seems like, and it's an obvious statement to to anyone who's played a sport um, or, or been on hunts like this, you know, you're your body's the first thing to go. You, you you mentally have the capacity, but you just have to use your mind to overpower kind of what your muscles are saying to keep going. Absolutely. In the, the off-season, yeah, I mean, off-season, you're spending all this time focused on your muscles, your nutrition, making sure you, your body's going to perform right. What can you do to really test the mental side of that? Because I know there's nothing that is like that shot opportunity mentally, but mm-hmm. what can you do to kind of push yourself to that limit to kind of get a grasp and an understanding of what you're going to go through in, in, in that shot opportunity? See, what I like to do is is to, you know, for instance, if, I, if I'm doing squats or deadlifts, I like to take a, you know, 135, 135 pounds, and you sit there and you look at the weight. I'm, I'm a visualizer. I'm a visualizer when I hunt. Like a lot, of, a lot of the hunts that I go on, I actually visualize myself before I go to bed actually sitting in the stand where the deer comes from, focusing on the on the vitals, drawing back my bow. Like I go through that whole routine in my head. Oh, and the same thing when I yeah, absolutely. So when I step up to a bar, uh, to do not the drinking bar <laughs> 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 But when I step up to uh 
you know, 135 to do a deadlift. My goal is to hit 75, 80 reps with that deadlift with proper form and technique. But guess what happens when your body starts getting tired, your mind's pushing. The first thing that's going to lack is your technique and your form. But I just constantly just picture myself or look in a mirror and I just, you know, I put the blinders on and I just go and my body will hurt, but I keep pushing. And then you just, you keep maintaining that form and technique. And that is how you exactly how you can play with it. And you'll, you'll feel it, you see it. And then uh, once you actually start doing it, you learn how to perform and you're under pressure, under duress. Uh, that right there is when, when you know you got it. And it's like, I've had a, I had a, um, a major league pitcher. Uh, he pitched for the A's last year. Um, he was a starter. And when I first started training him, I mean, he was getting results like right away, which I knew he would. And his first like outing that he went and did where we was like, all right, you know, this is what we got to do. I set all of his meal plan up the night before, you know, the day of what to eat before the game, during the innings. And after the game, he would always call me after he pitched. And he was like, Davey, um, he's like, I felt phenomenal. He's like, I felt, you know, the best I ever felt. My fastball in the first inning, my first fastball was at 96 miles an hour. My 110th pitch was 96 miles an hour. He's like, I got one problem. I'm like, what's that? And he was like, my mind was tired of thinking. I was like, dude, that's all on you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I did my job. You know, so it's, you know, in his mind, it was, you know, just going and and breaking down the swing of the batters, their strengths, their weaknesses, where to pitch, where not to pitch, what ball to throw, inside, outside, you know. So he was just constantly thinking, but his body was there to actually help him perform. So that was, it was really cool for, it was a cool testimony for him. Oh, yeah. That's the same thing in hunting. I mean, we can, we all can attest to that. This is something I, I don't think anybody's really ever dived into, and maybe you might have an answer for this. Think about when people are going hunting, best scenarios, they first the hunt, they're all excited, they got enough energy, but now they're in the day five, day 10. You know, it's not just muscle fatigue, it's the... Uh, the irritation, the the missed shots, and then there's also the sleep deprivation. Now, oh, that yeah. is the worst thing when it comes in because now your brain is clouded and trying to get your brain to say, I can still keep pushing. How do you prepare that on the off-season? Because in, on, on an average day life, people have their 9-to-5 job, um, and then if they do go to the gym, but then most people might go to bed on average around 8, 9, maybe 10 o'clock if they're pushing, Average, mm-hmm. and then you have the people that myself and a few others and Scott, and it might be night owls that go to one or two in the morning, so they may be used to that. But averagely, most people are sleeping in, getting six to eight hours a night. But when you're going hunting, even any type of like camping environments, that night talk, you're talking, your camaraderie, you're up late the next morning, you're up early, you're not getting the sleep. I mean, how do you prepare for that? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one, and you know, especially in those demanding hunts or any of those types of hunts. I mean, sleep is where your body is actually, you know, it's it's recouping, it's regenerating, and the biggest thing, you know, even even something like you know, just like turkey hunting, like I was on a five day span, and I found like day four and day five, it was just I was up late, up early, and it starts wearing on you. Like you said, you start your mind's not thinking as clear. You know, there's only one way around it. You got to sleep. You know, it might be able to, you might have to cut that camaraderie short because, you know, that sleep is actually going to help you in the next day's hunt. And, you know, I'm a, I like to rise with the sun and go to bed with the sun. So if that means me being a party pooper and going to bed an hour or two hours later, guess what? I'm going to do it because it's going to determine the outcome for how I'm going to perform tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So yeah, any, any sleep deprivation, gosh, it's, it's, (laughs) it's tough. Like I, failure. 
it, you are. I mean, you are. I've, I've gator hunted twice, and I've shot two gators. And when I shot the gators, I was up for over like 25, 26 hours. I was not like thinking right. I mean, I was like, <laughs> you know, I just, you just weren't, you know, my mechanics were all off. You know, it's just, it was horrible. Actually. You shot two, but you thought you end up shooting four, at least four times to get the two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I was, you know, and then the next year we were going to do one. I'm like, I'm done. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I shot a gator. That was cool. You know, shot one with a bow, but yeah, I mean, that was just an example, but I, uh, I am the type of person, if I don't have my sleep, you don't want to be around me. <laughs> <laughs> My wife knows that. <laughs> but yeah, you've got to uh, refuel the body, regenerate the body. And there's no there's no supplement for sleep. Well, what's your – if you could sit down and you talk to um, a person who, who just comes into this and is wanting to get in shape, whether it be for hunting or it, or just in general, they're trying to get some weight off, it's pool season – you know, mm-hmm. what is – what's the best advice? What's the, what's the first thing you would tell them to to get ready for and, and to think that think about doing? Biggest thing is, uh, uh, you know, learn and try and, and grasp an understanding for food. Um, in particular, you know, in most – I'd probably say 95% of the people that I've ever worked with or emails that I get, it's always how do I lose weight? Um, in particular, how do I lose body fat? And the biggest key to losing body fat is food, but it's really sugar, sugar alcohols, sugar substitutes. Mm-hmm. And I really get into the hormones of the body and, you know, really trying to suppress insulin as a hormone. Insulin's a lipogenic hormone, which means fat storing. Um, you've got to do that. Uh, suppress it to make your body fat burning. And that's the same thing I, you know, I really try to hit home with when I first get a client. Um, I take them grocery shopping. I sit down. We have a meeting for an hour. Um, and that's all we talk about is nutrition. I send them a whole regimen of what I want you to do because I want them to truly understand that. Because the training side is actually fairly easy. It's that nutrition side that's going to make or break you. As an example, I was talking to a client this morning. And we were talking about nutrition, why I spend so much time on the nutrition and I was like, well, how often do you go into a gym and you see the same people for three, four or five years and they never change? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, because, <laughs> it's not because they're not working out and they're not pushing themselves hard. It's because they're not eating right. And that's what's going to separate you from where you are today and where you want to be tomorrow. That's going to determine whether, the, whether you are good or you are great. And that's why I look at some of these athletes that sell themselves short, in particular, as an example, like Michael Phelps. We know without the marijuana use, um, that this guy has a crazy genetic God-gifted talent to swim. And what he was fueling his body with were simple sugar, simple processed foods. If I, and he was still breaking records and, and, and actually you know, getting gold medals. If, we, if I had control of him, I would have switched all of his eating around, had him putting in high-octane fuel, which, you know, optimal fuel equaling optimal performance, I bet you he would have broken records by seconds. And that's how I look at things. You know, it's like, all right, he was great, but you know what? He could have been, like, exceptional if he had done this. That's crazy. But, yeah, get the body moving, get the heart rate up, uh, and kind of a – here's a – I'll give you an example of uh, uh, kind of a target heart rate to kind of shoot for. Um, 220, take 220 minus your age. That's your max heart rate. Um, so, you know, if, I'm, if you're 20 years old, you're 200 is your max heart rate. Take that, multiply it by 0.7 and 0.85 or 0.85. So you're, I want you to train between 70 and 85% of your max heart rate. 
uh, for 45 minutes to an hour, whether that be squats, lunges, you know, and don't, don't do a set and sit around, you know, keep going, keep your body moving and keep that heart rate up, um, elevated between that 70, 85%. And that cut the sugar, you know, have a good source of uh, clean, wholesome, one ingredient foods, keep protein constant throughout your diet, eat every three to four hours, uh, and chug water. I mean, that right there is pretty much uh, a formula for success. That's awesome. It's a lot of good information. Yeah. So with Hunt Strong, you'll actually go through and, and you do everything from helping them train uh, to help them understand food to actual um, food prep and everything as well? Absolutely. Yeah, we go, uh, I take them grocery shopping. You know, I have a private like Facebook page for all my clients. Uh, learn and understand exactly what they are and what you're trying to accomplish and utilize them. You know, food's going to be either healing or it's going to lead to sickness. You know, it's, it's ultimately your choice. So, yeah, it's from A to Z. And even my hunters, what the, the really cool thing is, is I'll pick up clients that have never had any interest in hunting at all. And, of course, I'm so passionate about it, <laughs> talking about it. And eventually they start picking up the sport. And the next thing you know, they're buying a bow. You know, they're buying licenses. Now they're going on these hunts with themselves and they're buying it. And then the really cool thing is, is I mean, I, I know how to process all the wild game. I cook all the wild game. So I have all these recipes for them. They're like, oh, my gosh, I never knew this was out there. So it's really cool to watch somebody take it that never had any interest in hunting at all. Introduce a training philosophy and nutrition philosophy based on what they're trying to accomplish. That, you know, in turn leads them out to the outdoors, taking their family out there being successful and then actually cooking it. So you have this whole lifestyle that you just accomplished. Um, accomplished. And, you know, that right there is just is so rewarding to me because people truly then understand why God put all these animals on the earth, why it's so important to, to be healthy for not just yourself but also for your family. That actually makes a good point right there. You were talking about the meat, you know, mm-hmm. Taking livestock instead of going to a grocery store, and most people obviously on the off season, unless they've stocked up or someone's never done a hunt, they're mm-hmm. usually buying hamburger and they're buying uh, pork and all the things, thinking that that's good food. But there's right. a common, there's a not common, there's a big difference between hunting the meat versus buying the meat. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. If uh, you know, if you're if you're hunting an animal and say you you shoot a deer. You saw what that animal looked like before you shot it. You know its condition that it was in. You know it was healthy. You know what that animal was eating. That animal was eating 100% wholesome foods. It was eating, you know, acorns. It was eating nuts. It was eating all types of greens and vegetables. And then the coolest thing that I love about it is even my little girl at seven years old, she helps me clean the deer. She knows where the backstrap comes from. She knows she knows a lot of stuff from, you know, processing and making her in the ground. But you're the only person to actually touch that meat. And there could be, you know, I don't know, 20, 30 hands that touch your meat. Um, before you oh, there's it. only <laughs> one Easily. hand that touches my meat, but go ahead. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. You can take that however you like. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something to say for that, you know, to say that, you know, I, I, you know, I, was, I was in control of the whole process from A all the way to Z. So, and that, I mean, and, and to me, when you prepare it the right way, uh, when you have a quick kill, I mean, and the, and the taste is phenomenal and your family's enjoying it. I mean, that is, that's, that's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. I, whenever I do, I usually, most of the things when I'm cooking, uh, with the venison, I usually just do the jerky. Uh, only reason why is because 
before I'm just, this is the first year I processed my first deer. Most of the time uh-huh. I always take it to a processor and so I've never liked how they package it because the steaks always went bad beforehand because they didn't really pack, uh, package well. And I never thought about zip or doing the, um, uh, Air, uh airtight or, um, Vacuum sealed. Vacuum, vacuum sealed. sealed, right. So yeah. basically yeah. I always turned everything to ground because, and I was like, great, no problem. I'll make jerky, love it. But I'm still at the point where I'm using store-bought seasoning and I'm like, one of the things that I would love is I use a dehydrator. I'd love mm-hmm. to know a good way to make a jerky taste good with using real ingredients instead of buying a prepackaged seasoning, knowing that there's just tons of uh, unnatural stuff in it. Right. And I, I'm, even though I love the food and I'm even having my son, uh, he's now 16 months old. He loves it, but mm-hmm. I know that it's not as healthy as it could be. Yeah. And that's one thing, you know, with same thing with the foods that we eat, it goes, it goes for our ingredients. So like our foods are all wholesome. Our ingredients are also that, you know, spices and all that are also wholesome as well. So I use sea salt, black pepper, paprika, uh, crushed red pepper, oregano, garlic. So I use all those one ingredient foods. And a lot of times I do like almost like a dry rub. Um, well, I'll throw all those seasonings in and I'll just mix it with my hands and get a really dry rub. It's not really a marinade. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put like a smoked paprika on it. Um, so something of that sort to give it a little bit of a smoke flavor. And you'll be surprised how much it changes everything. You put a you know, lemon pepper on it, squeeze some lemon on it. And throw some pepper on that. So you have like a lemon pepper based, you know, type of a uh, jerky. And I like to mix it up all the time. And there's a couple of hot sauces that are out there that are very uh, wholesome. I want to say Frank's hot sauce, which they sell, you know, Publix and a lot of the leading grocery stores. Oh, yeah. There's only like four or five ingredients. And you can recognize all the ingredients on there. <laughs> if you, um, if I'm you a can't hot pronounce it, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> And that's the thing with the with the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, the whole food industry revolves around greed. You know, it's all money. They're going to put stuff on labels to get you to buy it. You know, where it says fat-free, sugar-free. But those are just marketing gimmicks. That's all it is. All they're doing is hiding, you know, there's like, gosh, 150 different names for sugar or sugar alcohols or sugar substitutes. But guess what? Your it's body, true. it still spikes the insulin, even though it's, it's, it's a form of sugar. It can be natural or real. It's still spiking insulin. So they just, you know, there's so many different ways how they camouflage things and ingredients that like, oh yeah, this isn't bad. I can do this. Would it by chance be possible? Because you said you've got a pretty good amount of recipes. Is there a way that we might be able to provide some of our listeners some of the things that you've come up with over time? Just a few to be able to put onto the, the podcast for people to look at? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, uh, I can probably email you one. I was just looking at one. Um, we do a cauliflower-based pizza. Oh, so yes. You, you just hit a nerve for me there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your dough is, uh, you know, a cauliflower base, and uh, you can make the whole pizza, and then instead of using, like, a, a chicken breast or something of that sort, you can throw some ground venison on there. You so, just took my cheat meal away and made it healthy. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that, you know, I see some awesome recipes out there, and I just, you know, I figure out, like, you can substitute this for that uh, and really make it very healthy and taste phenomenal. Um, that's one of the things I love to do with uh, clients or I love to cook for, I love to cook period. And it's mm-hmm. all so awesome to have somebody come over that doesn't eat healthy. And then I prepare a meal and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is phenomenal. Like, what is it? And I'm like, and like, really? That's all it is. I'm like, yep, that's it. And I'm like, see, you can do this. And it's, a lot of times, I think a lot of people automatically, they put this this barrier up, like we talked about earlier, this excuse, like, I can't do that. I can't eat that. Well, it costs too much to shop healthy. Well, guess what? You're either going to pay now or you're going to pay later pay later in prescriptions and, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 
bad health. So, you know, it's, it's always best to pay now and know what's right, what's wrong, and do what's right. Well, so quick kind of funny story. Um, my my fiance, she she loves sweet potatoes. She's super health conscious, um, nutritional background, and she was pushing me to eat sweet potatoes. And you know, every time we were eating sweet potatoes, it was and you know an hour to cook them in the oven. You know, so by the time we got home and started dinner, by the time they were done, we were already done with dinner. So and that was my excuse was oh it takes too long. Then I uh, I got a chance to come down and, and hunt with you um, on on some property. <laughs> And you're like, you want some sweet potatoes? And in my head, I'm like, nah, it's going to take too long. <laughs> you're like, no, 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 hold on. You throw them in a plastic bag. So you, you wrap the sweet potato in a, in a wet paper towel, put it in a plastic yeah. bag, close it up, throw it in the microwave for three to five minutes, depending on the sweet potato. I'm like, yeah, this is going to taste horrible. Like in my head, you're doing this. And, and I'm like, this is going like, to taste horrible. It's going to be like microwaved sweet potato. It came out and it was it was like one of the best consistently cooked sweet potatoes I had. I came home and and showed Jess and and uh, my my excuse for not eating sweet potatoes went right out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my uncle that was telling us to do it at that point. Right. I was like, really? And he's oh. like, yeah, just throw it asleep in a bag and this, that. I'm like, man, eat a little bit of uh, Martha Stewart over here. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it works it works awesome. You know, in three to five minutes. Um, so I've 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 eaten I've definitely been eating more sweet potatoes since then. <laughs> yeah, sweet potatoes. I mean, I'll be honest. Sweet potatoes is like my candy. It's oh yeah. Gosh, it's, it's so sweet, and there's so much there's so much nutrients in it, and good fiber in it. I love my sweet potatoes, and actually, I've been I've been hooked on. There's a they call them white sweet potatoes. Um, I have not just, heard about that. They're good. Oh gosh, Publix has them. Um, yeah, Publix up there, and uh, they only come in organic uh, at our Publix, but they're it's almost it's a little bit not as I guess juicy as a sweet potato, but the flavor is just it's phenomenal. You cook it the same way through the microwave? Yeah, you can do it in the microwave. I haven't done that in a long time. I like to just uh, like in my sweet potatoes, I usually put them in like a big. Uh, and they do take time. I put them in a big enclosed uh, crock pot, like. Uh, yeah, something you don't like crock pot like a tray, oh, okay. foil over it, so it and put water in it so it holds it almost like steams the potatoes. Um, and then I just you know I take them, eat them straight up like that. But that's the way I like to do them. You can chop them up. I mean you know I have a recipe for vanilla bean sweet potato mash. Um, I love that recipe, but it just takes time. So and nine times out of ten, you know we're I'm, I'm cooking thirty minute meals because we're always on the go. One of the things about the sweet potato, I've uh, I've learned a really good recipe. It does require one. Uh, supplement of a protein powder but a chocolate form but using sweet potato protein powder and a little bit of peanut butter you get the same consistency flavor as a butterfinger and so it's for someone that loves yeah if you're wanting like a sweet dessert for whatever reason but you don't want to necessarily eat something really bad a half Uh of a a sweet potato that's been cooked you put one scoop of peanut butter natural if all possible and then just a little scoop of chocolate's uh, protein powder, and you literally feel like you're eating a warm peanut or butterfinger. It's uh, and Travis, yeah. you need to market that and start selling it. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> All natural butterfingers. <laughs> High protein butterfingers. Two ingredients. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty good idea. Huh. Well, awesome. And that's that's a cool thing too. You learn uh with our, our private Facebook page and all that. I mean, you learn so many things that other people have thought of that you never thought of. And I think that's one of the biggest things with, with hunting and, 
you know, we're all trying to accomplish the same thing, but really having an open mindset and listen to what other people have to say because it can be a kid that you pick up something from, you know, that they said, and it's something you can take and utilize uh, mm-hmm. to help you get the job done. So keep an open mind. It's definitely key. Well, it looks like, you know, on the off season, some people just maybe not necessarily have the time to get out to the gym or the excuses they might throw in there. But one of the things they can do that they do anyways is that they do go to the grocery store instead of buying that boxed food, you know, change mm-hmm. it up for something that's more wholesome, the one uh, item protein or the one item ingredient. And mm-hmm. uh, that's interesting. It's, so it's almost like diet is really more of the essential of being more healthier. The exercising helps, but diet is really the key. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, and I always tell people it's like a, uh, it's like a stool. Um, a stool has three legs. You know, you've got nutrition, you've got cardiovascular training, you've got weight resistance training. If you take one of those stools away, you can't balance as well. But when you have all three of them going, you're balanced. I mean, there's not too much that's going to knock you off. Absolutely. You, you, you've got to train all parts of your body in, in your daily life to be able to, to maintain the goals you're trying to get to. Absolutely. And every day is a new day. You know, you get up and make a goal and, and conquer it. You know, keep it simple. I always call it a... Kiss factor. Reducing... Yeah, that's it. Reducing down to one, you know, focus on one meal at a time, focus on one set at a time, you know, one rep at a time. And before you know it, you just you get this ingrained, uh, you know, outset in your mind that uh, you really uh, set yourself for success. Well, you've had a ton of information. You you've given a lot of people probably a a lot of questions they want to get answered. Um, Mm -hmm. What's one way that our listeners can can reach out and get a hold of you? Um. Probably the, the biggest way is through my website, uh, ihuntstrong.com. Um, I've got an email form on there. And also, you know, I put a lot of stuff out there on Facebook. Uh, is on it Instagram. a private Facebook or is it open? Um, I have both. I have, okay. a, I have a public one and then I've got a, you know, a private one where I really get into the, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of things, so to say. But I, it's enough to kind of steer you in the right direction. And if you just looked at, like for instance, like my Instagram pictures, you can see pretty much my lifestyle and that's what I've used social media for is like living my life out loud um Mm -hmm. I have nothing to hide um I have my struggles just like everybody else does there's times of weakness where it's tough but um you know I get up the next day put my helmet on grab the word of God and keep going and that's about the best advice I can say you know what happened yesterday is gone that's what happens today that's awesome very cool hey Scott do you have any more questions uh you know one thing was I just wanted to I want to hear you You've been through a lot of hunts. I know you actually do the, the majority of your hunting in in, um, in northern Florida. When you think about all the years you've been hunting, um, what's one great hunting story that kind of sticks out to you? What's something that has stuck with you um, hunt after hunt that you, you keep coming back to when someone asks you to tell a hunt story? Oh, gosh. I've had – man, it's hard to pinpoint because you know, every hunt is – I've had some really, really, really cool hunts. Um, I can – tell you this uh i was hunting down here in florida and uh it was probably in september i had a run-in with these two whitetails uh in bow season and one was an eight point and the other was a uh he was a a 10 point and they were together they're bachelor groups and it just it was one of those hunts where it was like right at dark i drew my bow back and i could not see my pins and i was you know and I sat there and I, it was one of those where you could look away, you could see your pins, and you'd focus on your pins, and you couldn't see. You can see the deer fine. The deer was probably 20 yards out. And uh, I just, you know, I did the right thing. 
let my bow down and like literally like I just kept hunting that same area, same area. Well then about it was the last day of the season. I'd found this little I called it the honey hole and it was in this cypress swamp. Because a lot of times in Florida you've got these pastures, you've got palmettos, uh, oak trees, and you're getting these cypress swamps. And sometimes those cypress swamps will open up in the middle. Well it just so happened to be dry that year. So I was able to bust through them, you know, get a stand set on the very south side, that way the north wind was hitting me in the face. And about an hour before dark, I rattled in this eight point, ended up being one of the eight points that I saw that day. Uh, shot him. He went probably 40, 50 yards, dropped. And uh, it was probably about 40, that was about 45 minutes, about 15 minutes later, so 45 minutes before it got dark. I was, you know, I was all excited because I recognized that deer. I knew it was him. I went to go lower my bow. And I heard something walking through the ro- the woods. I raised my bow up, um, and the ten point steps out at, you know, <laughs> thirty yards, and I arrowed him. So I have two big bucks that I saw in September that I was trying to kill all season long. Happened on the last hour of the season. Talk about and, redemption. That's oh, insane. It was, it was incredible. It was just it was perseverance. I never stopped. I just kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And it was just a uh, it was incredible. But I've had some unbelievable experiences out in the woods hunting and um i can go on and on of talking about some challenging hunts some hunts where i was humbled <laughs> i hate to say it but i was very humbled um but you know what it's a process uh you know you gotta look at failure as a as a form of growth and learn from it and take it on you put it in that uh in that memory bank and use it next time definitely what a way to, that's a great way to end it you know, we uh, we really appreciate you coming on and taking some time. Um, I know you're a busy guy, so um, thank you very much for, for jumping on, on the phone with us for a little bit. Yeah, Dave. Absolutely, that was, guys. That was a, a great call. Mm-hmm. Anytime y'all have any questions or anything you want to do it again, let me know. Hey, well, thank you so much. I sure appreciate it. Yes, sir. Y'all take care. You too. Right. See you. Man, that was really good. He's very knowledgeable. That was awesome. Yeah, no, he's and he's he's a super, super good guy. He's down to earth. I mean, he really is like legitimately just has a passion for this that you can hear it through his voice. You know, it's always great to have phenomenal guests on. You know, one of our driving points with the Bow Rush podcast is, you know, me and Travis, you know, we're not the experts by any means. But we want to go out there and get guys like Davey who are the experts in in their particular niche or their part of this industry to answer questions that the followers and the listeners are really trying to look for. And, and you know, they're Googling, trying to figure out how to stay in shape in the off season. We want to bring you guys stuff like this. So make sure to check us out on mybowrush.com forward slash iTunes and leave us a five-star review if you've liked what you've heard and leave us a comment because we'd love to know what you think. People have been asking us, what social sites are we on? We're pretty much on all of them. And so we made it pretty simple for you to follow us on them. What you can do is go to mybowrush.com forward slash follow us, and it will give you each link to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and a few others as we add them to the list. But if you could take a moment and go to each of those sites, like us, follow us, and help us get the word out. And make sure to leave us questions, comments, and tell us what you guys want to hear because we want to bring you guys um, the answers to the questions that you're asking. Absolutely. Well, you know, thank you again for tuning in. Um, again, this was the Bow Rush Podcast, episode 015. We've got a follow-up coming very shortly with uh, the second part of this podcast, talking with Anthony Dixon, covering um, 
some of the mental and physical fatigue and how to battle that and during that shot opportunity. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Scott Nelson. I'm Travis Doe. And make sure to tune back in for another great episode of the Bow Rush Podcast. See ya. Fixing up the government and laws as well. Took over Washington so we hear tell. Patched up the crack in the Liberty Bell. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. When he come home, his politicking done. The Western March had just begun. So he packed his gear and his trusty gun and lit out grinning to follow the sun. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. His land is biggest and his land is best. From grassy plains to the mountain crest, he's ahead of us all, meeting the test, following his legend into the West. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier.